yeah, those are like the most um, significant projects, but we also have many other projects, like small projects that help uh, civilians, for example, to avoid uh, mobilization because Putin uh, now forces uh, people to go to the war. He forces men to go to the war. So we uh, provide them legal assistance in order to avoid it. Mm. And um, we have project that is called Free Navalny. We try to raise awareness about the issue of uh, conditions for how, uh, where they keep um, him um, in a solitary confinement mm. and torture him. So we raise awareness on this topic and many, many other different uh, small projects. So yeah, like we are a huge team working 24-7. Hey everybody, welcome to the What Is Money show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor and Thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard, hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor based. So all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them, as again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. Anna Chekovich, welcome to the What Is Money Show. Thank you for having me here. It's really good to have you. Um, we are sitting in Oslo for the Oslo Freedom Forum, uh, an event you'll be speaking at tomorrow. And this is an event focused on human freedom and flourishing. And just by way of quick introduction, you are the CFO of the Anti-Corruption Foundation. Um, which is a formerly Russian-based organization, but you guys are now international. Um, could we just start there? Uh, you just were so kind to share your story offline with me. Yeah. Um, what is the story behind the Anti-Corruption Foundation? And um, yeah, let's just start there. Um, sure. Uh, the Anti-Corruption Foundation was uh, established by the Russian leader of Russian opposition, Alexei Navalny in 2011 in Moscow. So 
I joined the organization in 2017 and started to work there as a financial director. Yeah, so the main uh, goal of the organization is basically to defeat the Putin's regime mm. right now. So we have many different projects, but all of them are aimed at stopping this uh, cruel regime of Putin. Mm. And I had never heard the name of, I hope I'm saying this correctly, Navalny. 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 Yeah. Forgive my poor American pronunciation. He is the opposition leader to Putin and the founder of the Anti-Corruption yeah. Foundation. Um, what is his story? Because it's interesting that I had never heard of him, never heard of this at all. So, uh, and the story you shared offline was very interesting. Could you just walk us through who he is um, and then the, the actual conflicts he's had with Putin along the way that you described earlier? Um, Alexei Navalny is a um, uh, leader of opposition for a very long time, and he's a face of a Russian fight against the regime since, I don't know, since the beginning almost of the Putin's regime. Yeah. Um, but he became uh, quite famous when he uh, participated into the elections of uh, mayor of Moscow, and he really gained a lot of support and he uh, like won a second place during these elections, and it was it became obvious for the regime that Navalny is a very strong political figure. And after that, uh, in 2016, he announced his participation in the presidential elections. And during the presidential campaign, 2017 to 2018, he gained a lot of support, like really millions of Russians uh, realized that there is uh, an alternative to Putin because mm -hmm. before that. There was no alternative. And uh, Navalny, uh, he uh, created such a strong campaign and uh, he traveled um, throughout the country. He met uh, people like in real, which Putin never done in his life. Putin never met with real people. And Navalny, he traveled, he met people, he talked to them and uh, he gained a lot of support. And um, he was so like so powerful and so strong that Putin even didn't allow him to become a candidate for those elections. So Navalny didn't even have a chance to um, to be elected. So yeah, and um, after that, um, he was uh, there was a, an assassination attempt by the regime because when they realized that he's like too strong. Um, they decided to get rid of him and they did it to all of Putin's opponents like all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, he became a victim of assassination attempt when uh, Putin's people tried to poison him with Novichok, the chemical uh, nervous agent that kills you very fast. And after uh, it kills you, they cannot find it in your blood. So um, after that, Navalny uh, survived after this assassination attempt, and um, he got his treatment in Germany. Uh, he was in coma, uh, but he survived. And after that, he decided to come back to Russia and to continue his fight because he's a Russian citizen and he ha has right to be in his own country, to be with his people. And uh, um, he wasn't scared to go back. He just came back. But of course, he was uh, arrested immediately at the airport under a fake fabricated criminal case and uh, they took him straight from the airport and put him in jail where he's still now it's been uh, three years already that he's in prison 
and um, they keep him in, a, in terrible conditions. Uh, most of the time, they keep him in solitary confinement uh, prison cell where they torture him. Uh, so yeah, and um, that's uh, that's basically the story about Navalny himself. Yeah. Um, but his foundation, we are um, we're still alive. We are still we continue our work, and uh, we had to move from the country. And now we're in outside of Russia. We live in exile. Um, but we continue our work and we fight for Navalny and for his freedom. We try to, not only for his freedom, there are many political prisoners in Russia. And we try to raise awareness on this issue uh, among European authorities and civilians. And we try to uh, make them, t- uh, to free them, t- force uh, the government t- to release them. Yeah, yeah it's... Um powerful story you said too is the poisoning right yeah. poisoning before a flight and then he was the flight was grounded and they were able to purify his blood and they detected that agent yeah that, it's true that yeah putin's people are infamous for using because it's undetectable if it kills you right it kills you and then it's no longer in your blood actually uh, the whole story was recorded like there were there were people around him like his team and they all used their phones so everyone everything was recorded and then uh, this story was um, uh, uh, there. There was a um, uh, movie uh, made, mm-hmm. a documentary movie that is called Navalny. That is that was made by um, CNN together with HBO, mm-hmm. and that movie just won an Oscar this year. It oh, wow. won an Oscar for best documentary. So if anyone is interested, you can just watch the movie. It's about everything how he was poisoned, how he came back and was arrested. Wow. And by the way, now Navalny after he survived. He found his poisoners. He found those people who poisoned him, yeah. and he even called one of them and had conversation with him by the phone. And the guy uh, didn't understand that it was Navalny, and he really like uh, told the whole story about the poisoning. Wow! Yeah, and everything is in the movie. It's it's insane. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow, that's an incredible story. Um, okay, so he returned. He goes to Germany to get treatment. He then comes yeah. back to Russia. He's immediately seized at the airport, and he's been imprisoned for the past three years, largely in really horrific conditions. You mentioned solitary confinement, on a, a very small cell. He can't even lay down. Often tortured. Yeah. Um, these are like the harsh realities of the world that places in the world that are not free. Right. So, this is, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is like the the sanctity of the free world and what we must do to defend it and protect it um, so we don't mm. get into situations like that. Um, now, you as the finance chief, I guess let's first maybe talk about the work you guys are doing because you said you do these video investigations. Yeah, um, main projects that we have. And you also have one of the most popular uh, Russian-speaking YouTube political channel. YouTube channels. Um, and you're also publishing lists of individuals that are supporting the regime in one way or another. Yeah. So could we just talk about a bit of the work you guys do at the Anti-Corruption Foundation? Yeah, sure. We have um, major opposition projects. Um, one of them, as you mentioned, uh, invest- uh, anti-corruption investigations. Uh, we have a very strong investigation team, and they're really famous all over the world. And uh, they create high-quality investigations about the corruption of Russian authorities oligarchs, or even Putin himself, and they expose all of their corruption crimes. 
and we have a YouTube channel. Those videos are Russian-speaking, but it, they ha all have English subtitles, so anyone can have access to it. Um, yeah, um, another project that we have that we started after we left the country, because we are not inside the country, so uh, we need to like have some tools in order to spread information mm -hmm. even more than before. So we started a YouTube channel that is called Popular Politics. And it's a huge media outlet. It's not only YouTube channel. We have we're um, available on every social network, and um, we broadcast almost twenty four seven. We have um, different formats. We have uh, interviews, uh, news, uh, online broadcasting, uh, different political shows, and we try to raise awareness on everything that is going on right now in Russia about the war in Ukraine that Putin started, mm. and like everything significant that is happening right now. And of course, about political prisoners and about Navalny, and we like act under his uh, name, uh, the name of Navalny. Yeah, and about the list of the names, uh, we created a list of names of those people who must be sanctioned, who must be targeted personally. Uh, we call them war enablers. Uh, those people who just support um, Putin and his regime and the war. Um, it includes not only uh, Putin's um, closest circle, it's everyone like. Uh, celebrities, um, I don't know, their relatives of um, oligarchs and everyone who helps Putin to maintain this regime. Yeah, those are like the most um, significant projects, but we also have many other projects, like small projects that help uh, civilians, for example, to avoid uh, mobilization because Putin uh, now forces uh, people to go to the war. He forces men to go to the war. So we uh, provide them legal assistance in order to avoid it. And um, we have a project that is called Free Navalny. We try to raise awareness about the issue of uh, conditions for how, uh, where they keep um, him uh, in a solitary confinement and torture him. So we raise awareness on this topic and many, many other different uh, small projects. So, yeah, like we are a huge team working 24-7. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology. iCoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet. Looks like a mini iPhone, a little touch screen and camera on it. Uh, the device has no Wi-Fi, no cellular connection, no GPS. It's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet. Uh, like I said, it's got a high-res 3-inch touch screen. It's got a camera for air gapping the wallet. Uh, it's got optional Bluetooth compatibility. And it's a really a, a brand new UI, UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self-custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, the Gold Investment Letter. The Gold Investment Letter helps sophisticated investors navigate capital markets and maximize their profits in trading gold, silver, and mining stocks. The Gold Investment Letter seeks out the most undervalued companies and identifies special situations in the mining sector, and then provides in-depth analysis on both their financial positions and future prospects. The Gold Investment Letter explores many complex domains, such as investor psychology, portfolio management, and macroeconomic trends, all with the goal of making you a better investor. The Gold Investment Letter offers a free version and a paid premium version, 
And I strongly recommend you at least sign up for the free version because after having read a few of these issues, I can promise you it is a treasure trove of good information. You can sign up for the free newsletter today at goldinvestmentletter.com. So the organization was inside Russia yeah. at one point. You had a number of challenges that you face, I think, from kind of a legal financial standpoint, yeah. trying to run an anti-corruption foundation inside of a very corrupt country. Um, and you've since now departed. The organization is now outside of the country. Could you just walk us through that? Like, what was it like operating this organization inside of Russia? What were the challenges you faced? And then what? how did you ultimately move outside of the country? Yeah, sure. Um, while working in Russia, one of the biggest challenges that we have uh, that we had um, was the challenge of financial system because the government very quickly realized that it's a tool, a very a very simple tool uh, that they could use in order to attack us, uh, banking system. I think so, you said it was like depriving people of oxygen. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. If they take yeah. away our you know, financial tools, they deprive us of oxygen because you can. Um, if you want to do anything, you should pay for it. If you, sure. you, you, if you have an office, you should pay rent. You have employees, you should pay salaries and taxes and everything. Um, and um, you can't pay for everything with um, the crypto because there are so many uh, illegal entities that only accept a fiat. Mm -hmm. So we, you, you should have access to banking uh, operations. And the government realized it very, very quickly and they started to use uh, this tool uh, they started to block our bank accounts, and I remember when it happened for the first time. Uh, it was uh, 2019. I was just working at my working desk, doing my usual tasks, and I refreshed the online page of our online bank, mm -hmm. and then there was a negative balance of almost minus one trillion rubles, which was around 13 billion euro. It's like it was like minus 99.99, and like a very long uh, number. And I, I even screamed. I was like. Oh my God! What's going on? Uh, because I I was supposed to pay salaries that day, mm -hmm. and that was I found out in our, on our bank account, and um, I called the bank immediately. I asked them like, what's going on? And they they just told me your bank account is under arrest. I say why? Like, can you provide any documents proving this fact? Mm -hmm. And they and they say uh, no, we don't have anything. And we were like, well, how how come? How is it possible? And the very next day, uh, we found out that there was a new fabricated criminal case against our foundation, mm -hmm. but they blocked bank account one day before the case, before the the, the court uh, the court's decision. So they just did it unlawfully, mm -hmm. and uh, it it was based based on someone's call or someone's demand. Someone mm -hmm. just told to block the bank account, so just, mm -hmm. they just did it unlawfully. So the the bank was colluding with the regime. And we lost our fiat savings that moment. And then we realized, oh, we shouldn't keep all the money on the bank account because they can just do this. And yeah, and after that, they started to do it again and again. We opened new bank accounts. They they uh, block it under different reasons. Yeah. We start new legal entities. They uh, start new uh, fabricate cr criminal cases, block bank accounts. So yeah, um, when we started the... Um, presidential campaign and crowdfunding campaign to support it, uh, we began using Bitcoin. It was 2016 mm -hmm. because we realized that uh, the government was going to attack us and um, some of the donors wanted to remain anonymous because some are scared to support Navalny mm -hmm. because Navalny is the main threat of Putin mm -hmm. and people just uh, realized that um, it's better maybe to use Bitcoin to support us. So there were some people uh, supporting us with Bitcoin 
Uh, yeah, uh, it was a very, um, uh, for us, it was a um, great tool in order to keep savings. Yeah. And we we could always have access to it. And it was not, it was uncontrollable by the government. It was not transparent to the government. So we could continue our activities. We could have some savings there. Mm. And you're now, I think you're using Bitcoin to pay employees. Uh, now, since we left the country, we have very different problems, but we still use Bitcoin. Mm. Like that time we had this kind of problems. We used, Bitcoin, we used Bitcoin in order to avoid government surveillance inside the country. Mm. Now, since we left and Russia started that war in Ukraine, mm. uh, Russia is being cut off from the international financial system fully and the SWIFT doesn't work in Russia. So... Um, first of all, we cannot receive donations from Russians anymore. Russians cannot donate fiat for two reasons. Russia is cut off from the system. And secondly, even, for example, if they could, the banking system is transparent to the government in Russia. And if um, Russians donate to so-called extremist organization, and we were labeled as an extremist illegal organization. So if you support extremist organization, you go straight to jail up to 10 years. So uh, people, of course, they are scared to support us. Just and just donating the money and we'll give you 10 years. Yeah, yeah, of course, wow. because it's a support of extremist organizations. It's like supporting terrorists. Yeah, yeah so of course, in this case, um, people prefer to use Bitcoin in order to support us financially. And at the same time, for us, it's a big struggle to support financially those uh, who are in Russia. For example, political prisoners such as Alexei Navalny and many more. And... Um, uh, political activists in Russia who fight uh, the regime when they're inside the country fighting, they risk their lives, they risk their freedom, and they stay there uh, being deprived of financial support of organizations like us. Because uh, all of the organizations like us love the country. It's not only us. There are many organizations like us and many journalists. Everyone who is against, like opposing the regime openly, they are whether in prison or um, abroad right. because uh, it's not possible there is no freedom of speech right now in Russia so like all of those NGOs human rights organizations they cannot provide financial support to those who try to fight the regime inside the country and also there are advocates like lawyers who assist those people mm -hmm. and we like want to pay them so they protect our activists and we cannot make any payments to them because Russia is cut off and the most ridiculous fact that they cut the Russia from the SWIFT system in order to like uh, prevent uh, Russian oligarchs uh, from circumventing sanctions. And um, it's not a targeted uh, sanction, it's a global sanction uh, that was imposed on the entire country. But those oligarchs and those uh, Putin's people, they use very different ways for circumventing sanctions. They use, for example, friendly countries. And it's a well-known fact. There are many investigations that show that Russian regime really uses um, uh, different countries uh, and uh, Russian um, um, economy now are almost about to recover because those countries really help them. Mm -hmm. And uh, first, uh, people who suffer from this uh, kind of sanctions, like uh, cutting Russia from the financial international financial system, uh, are people like us, mm -hmm. activists. We, well, Russian oligarchs, they have different ways. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, they don't have a SWIFT, they have friendly countries. We only have Bitcoin. Yeah. So for us, Bitcoin is the only solution. But uh, those regulators say uh, Russian oligarchs are going to use Bitcoin, so we will just uh, uh, stop SWIFT. 
we will ban Russians from using uh, exchange uh, Bitcoin exchange platforms. So they do it uh, like in order to stop oligarchs, but uh, they really damage the opposition organizations this way. Wow. Um, you said, to, you mentioned that you've been labeled an extremist organization, which is always just the height of irony or hypocrisy, right? When we have the, a lot of this labeling that goes on in the United States too, the yeah. different terrorist organizations when in fact, you know, the U.S. government is blowing people up on the other side of the planet. So statism and terrorism, they're almost the same thing, in my opinion. One's just more formalized, one is is less so. Um, the na- Saying the name of your foundation, the Anti-Corruption Foundation, actually became illegal yeah, at some point and punishable by, I'm not sure what, but um if you, unless you disclaimed it as a terrorist organization. Yeah, it's true. You should put a disclaimer. Like if you if you mention our name, if you're a media, for example, uh-huh. and like it's in some news media and you uh, um, make an article about us or just mention the name, you should make a disclaimer. This organization was labeled as an extremist organization in Russia. So you should always um, put this disclaimer. Otherwise, you will be, I don't know, charged. Do people buy into that in Russia? Do they actually think that you're an extremist organization or do they kind of see through it and just go along with a lie? Um, our, uh, we have, um, uh, we make our independent surveys. Like mm-hmm. We call Russians, we talk to them, we ask them. So uh, from what we see, people understand everything clearly, mm-hmm. what is happening. Yeah, yeah because uh, like in the last couple of years, every uh, organization like us, became uh, an extremist organization, just like that, mm-hmm. in, in one year, all of them. So something is wrong with that. It's not just us, like all, uh, many of them. Or um, foreign agents law, for example. It's also ridiculous. It's the way how they attack us uh, by labeling us as a foreign agent. Mm-hmm. And to become a foreign agent, you should receive money from a foreign organization. And when we were working in Russia, we uh, really received money from some foreigner and our bank was supposed to decline this um, this uh, transaction, but it didn't. And money got to our bank account of our legal entity. And we immediately were labeled as a foreign agent organization. And it was so funny because uh, at that moment, I was just, uh, I don't know, walking in the street. And my boss texted me like, hey, have we ever received any foreign money? I said, no, let me check. I took my laptop out. Mm. I checked... Uh, our online bank, and I see like a couple of weeks ago, we really received some money from a foreigner, mm-hmm. and the bank wasn't supposed to let Except it happen. Wow. Yeah, and uh, okay, I immediately send the money back to the mm-hmm. sender, so we don't have any foreign money anymore. We send it back, but no, they didn't uh, remove the label. And uh, after they label you as a foreign agent, you should make uh, like I don't know every three months, I think insane uh, reports and mm. like it's a bureaucracy that they create mm-hmm. that you cannot uh, really go through this level of bureaucracy and they just destroy your legal entity with this tool first of all and secondly of course when every media when they mention you they should say that you're a foreign agent or extremist organization in the minds of people it stays at some level yeah. it's programming and in the end they're like oh okay now those foreign agents and they must receive money from abroad <laughs> yeah wow um yeah it's crazy uh now i'd like to tell you about our sponsor wasabi wallet 
With Wasabi Wallet, you can receive, send, and store Bitcoin privately. In Wasabi Wallet, your transaction history and wallet balance are completely hidden. Wasabi Wallet is easy to use. All of its privacy features are built in by default, and it works with any amount of Bitcoin. Wasabi users can make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay server users or Trezor Suite users. For BTC Pay server users, they can make payments directly inside of a CoinJoin. And for Trezor Suite users, you can make CoinJoins directly on a hardware wallet. These features result in the fee savings and security improvements for both sets of users. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download the state-of-the-art Bitcoin privacy wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code BREEDLOVE. And we, Russia's already gone through this before, right? Like the, the Soviet Union, you know, Solzhenitsyn wrote a lot about this, that it was just a bunch of people conforming to a lie. And that when one man finally stood up and told the truth, like that was instrumental in actually bringing down the Soviet Union. And now here we are, history yeah, there beating. Are, there, yes, there are some tools that they keep using and using because they see that it works well. So why don't right. they use it? It's already, it, it, it was successful. Case yeah. Before, so. Yeah, and, it's terrible. Um, and But again, the, the corruption of money is so instrumental in this because you said even before the legal action was taken, they seized your bank account the day before. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. So if they couldn't, if there wasn't a monopoly, a monopoly that could control your money, presumably they would not have as much power over you as an independent organization. It's always about the money first. Yeah, of course, because when it's uh, about such entity, such institution, as financial institution, everything must be under control of the government. So mm -hmm. big institutions in Russia are all under control of the government, like TV, for example. Mm -hmm. Everything that can, by chance, become independent and help activists, help opposition to. Mm -hmm. Uh, work, they should stop it immediately and they should take it under control. That's why in the head of all of those institutions, there are Putin's people, of course. Mm. Yeah, and they just destroyed these institutions. Putin destroyed it immediately as he got into power. Right. Yeah. And, a, and a lot of what brought Navalny to popularity in the country, I think you said, was YouTube, right? A, yeah. A, a form of media that Putin cannot control. Yeah, exactly. So, um, this idea of decentralized media contributing to the rise of dissident voices, um, is that continuing in Russia? Like, is this ongoing? Obviously, Putin controls a lot of the mainstream media apparatuses, yeah. if not all of them, but are things like YouTube and other digital technologies contributing to uh, an awakening among people that this is all bullshit, maybe, in Russia? Um, yeah, right now, YouTube is our main source of spreading information yeah. in the country and uh, we see that uh, the regime uh, is going to block YouTube on the territory of Russia and they do everything uh, to like um, 
they 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 are preparing for it. They take like the most um, popular, for example, Russian YouTubers, bloggers, some stars from the YouTube, and put all of them into Russian streaming service. There is mm-hmm. a streaming service in Russia, and they just uh, started to like ask all of them to mm-hmm. to switch. Right. And I can see it personally. For example, if I uh, watch their videos, for example, on a different platform such as Instagram, and they mm-hmm. say they're out loud, like, "Hey, by the way." I'm I'm switching from YouTube to this channel. Mm-hmm. Like, go there with me, yeah. and uh, they're uh, taking all of them there. Mm-hmm. And we see that they're really like preparing for blocking YouTube. But why they don't do it like in, uh, straight away right now and do it like that softly and um, mm-hmm. slowly because it will um, affect people a lot. Many people have business on YouTube. Yeah. Or like those bloggers, they make money there and they cannot just cut it like that because people are going to protest. People are going to say something and Putin doesn't want people to, to speak. Mm. So, yeah, um, he's going to attack YouTube also because we are very powerful there and all of the organizations like us there right now. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, now you went through, this is personally impactful on your life as well. You said... Um, while you were in Russia and the organization was being, uh, I guess, looked at more closely, that you felt this feeling of, of trepidation and uh, a, a, an intuition of concern that you might be in danger. Yeah. Russia, could you just talk us through that and and what that ultimately led you to? I think you've you've now since left Russia. So. Um. Yeah, while working in Russia since the first very day when I started to work for the foundation. Uh, I realized that I was um, under, like, um, uh, I was risking to be um, attacked by the government. And uh, especially after I started to work with financial part of our foundation. So, yeah, I noticed at some point uh, that some people started to follow me from the office to my apartment. And uh, I even made pictures of them. And uh, I wasn't, like, scared because I knew that they were not going to kill me or something, but when there are strangers following you all the time, you you become paranoid and uh, that and it's one of their tools. They make you feel like anxious all the time and it really affects your mental sure. stability. And it when you are not uh, stable mentally, they can manipulate you. Mm-hmm. For some time they follow you, then they can take you. And like try to negotiate with you, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, let's collaborate with the regime. But before that, they do some work like that. They make you feel mentally unstable and scared and everything. And they can find out all the information about your relatives and then manipulate with this data. And these kind of things happened to my colleagues many times. So when they started to follow me, I already realized that some, they are preparing something against me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it was like four years ago. And um, I personally decided that if I want to continue work and to be like uh, productive, uh, I should leave the country because I um, I was uh, anxious and I couldn't even go out without like looking through my window for hours and checking if there are any suspicious cars or suspicious people around my house. And um, straight after I left, like two months after, they came to that very apartment where I lived. Uh, with searchings uh, and they were um, they expected to find me there mm-hmm. i wasn't there already but the most ridiculous story is that after i moved from that apartment i gave that room where i lived to my colleague and he moved into my room mm-hmm. and uh 
he, that guy, he kept his savings in fiat in the wardrobe mm. in the apartment where I lived. They came for me, but they found him. Mm-hmm. They, um, like, when they make searchings, they take all of your gadgets, laptops, mm-hmm. phones, and they found the money in the wardrobe. So they take all of them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's what happened. And um, I, I left and I started to work remotely for some time. But after my foundation also moved to Europe, I joined them and now I work with them in the office. Wow. Yeah. This is a, wow, been quite a harrowing story. What? So another thing, I guess we'll wrap up, but one of the things you mentioned too that you guys do was these video investigations or video journalism, um, some of them looking at the, the real estate assets held in other countries by these oligarchs or Putin. You talked about the palace, this infamous palace that Putin has. I've heard it, like like the, what did I hear? There was a golden toilet brush or something that costs more than the average annual salary, something to that effect. I heard, I don't recall where I heard that, but I did hear that. Um, Could you just tell me a little bit about those those investigations and what what kind of um, assets you have seen um through that work uh yeah it's one of the most significant projects that we have we are an anti-corruption foundation Mm -hmm. so we expose the corruption of russian um authorities um of uh everyone who is like in the inner circle of uh putin and um every like every video you cannot believe it that it exists like when there are uh palaces houses like and uh, walls are covered with the uh, gold, and they have golden uh, toilets, like mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. And you you cannot believe it; it, it can't be the reality. Mm-hmm. Because even if you have some taste, you will not right, 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 <laughs> have it right. this way. Yeah. Um, um, what we see is that they bring corruption abroad, and that's what we try to explain right now to uh, to um, people of different countries where Russian oligarchs have their uh, properties yeah they um have uh, huge palaces they have yachts they have uh, cars uh, i mean they don't make that much money obviously and they are obliged to make uh, financial reports like uh, every year uh, and they show like how, how much they earn but the amount of money they possess the uh, those palaces are a bit more expensive than mm-hmm. for the report. Yeah, it's insane. And very often they just use their relatives, their kids, their wives, and they just register those uh, houses in them mm-hmm. and like they don't belong to them. But we show our investigation um, uh, department, they show the chain of like um, to whom it belongs in reality and they show the proofs because very often they create many, many legal entities to uh, confuse you so you don't see the track of the money yeah but they use uh, european banks and we try to explain uh, to uh, europeans that um, it, it um, russians bring uh, russian oligarchs bring corruption abroad and your banks european banks shouldn't collude with russian regime actually yeah yeah so yeah uh, they have um, very big houses uh the biggest yachts in the world for example it belongs belong to russian oligarchs and uh, now when uh, russia is under sanctions and we created a list of names that of people that must be targeted personally they started to lose access to their uh, properties mm. and we're really proud of this project yes 
because some of them lost access. They cannot even travel anymore to mm-hmm. Europe. They don't uh, cannot have visas anymore. And um, those houses now um, are abandoned. Mm-hmm. They don't have access to it. So um, they lost what they, they were stealing for years and years, and now they lost uh, everything that they stole. And they, because of that, they don't like Putin and Putin's regime anymore. Right. And that is the most significant impact mm. that it that makes because right. they enable Putin to be president because Putin lets them steal money. Yeah. Yeah. But when uh, we affected this, we we uh, like we helped to impose sanctions on them. Mm. They lost everything they had. They don't love Putin anymore, right. and it can like uh, destabilize the regime. It yeah. can make it collapse you, you faster. Hit, you hit them where it hurts, right? Yeah, their pocket yeah. Or their assets. Yeah, I love that. I love that particular aspect of your work because you're highlighting the fruits of corruption. In yeah, a way. it's like look how ridiculous this is. Who needs a golden toilet for God's sake? Someone needs it for some reason. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, and I've kept you long enough. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank, Thank you, you so much. for all your work for human freedom and anti-corruption. Um, these are very important matters in the world today. So thank you for what you do. Uh, where may people find you on the internet? Um, people may find me on Twitter. Yeah, I think I will leave the link yes, there. Yes, we'll, we'll put your Twitter yeah. handle on the yeah. show. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me here. Lovely to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much.